Hello world and welcome to the Inclusion Solution Live, the Winters Group's podcast for all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. I am your host, Brittany J. Harris, Vice President of Learning and Innovation with the Winters Group. And y'all, I am excited. This is our first of many um, podcast episodes. The Inclusion Solution Live is certainly a long time coming, um, and we are excited to use this as yet another medium to affect the world, um, to facilitate change, to encourage progress in service of equity, diversity, and inclusion. Uh, For those of you who are new to the Winters Group, we are a global diversity and inclusion consulting firm founded and led by Mary Frances Winters. Uh, The firm has been around for 30 years, and we've been supporting individuals, leaders, organizations in developing transformative solutions for equity and inclusion. This involves education and training, strategy development, and culture and equity audits. Y'all can find out more about us on our website, wintersgroup.com. That's for the folks who are not familiar with the organization. For those who are familiar, you're probably familiar with our blog, The Inclusion Solution, which is essentially the impetus of our podcast. Every week, we use The Inclusion Solution as a medium where we encourage and facilitate learning, even engage in bold, inclusive conversations around topics that are important to our work. The purpose of the inclusion solution is for us to facilitate shifts in perspectives, to broaden our understanding of our cultural others, and to really go deep on topics that are relevant to our work. The inclusion solution live is going to be an opportunity for us to go even deeper on the topics that we discuss on the site or in the blog rather, Um, engage with some of our writers, other thought leaders, and guests on some of those topics. And so this season, we are demystifying internalized oppression. And so I want to use this episode as an opener, an introduction of sorts to really just set some context, define terms, really unpack a few of the concepts that are going to be critical to you embarking on this journey, this season with us. A little bit about myself. Uh, As I said, I am Vice President of Learning and Innovation with the Winters Group, but all day, every day, I am a Black woman. I am a mother to a beautiful Black boy named Braxton, a woman of faith, an advocate, a millennial, a product of in HBCU education. I'm someone who experiences privilege because I am straight. I am someone who is cisgendered. I am presently able-bodied. I share all of those things, um, which are some, just a few aspects of my identity, because in our work, we recognize and affirm that identity plays a big part, a critical role in how we show up how we show up in the world, how we show up in rooms, and even how we show up in understanding the topics, right, that we're going to be unpacking on uh, the Inclusion Solution Live. Identity is going to be particularly important to this season's topic, 
demystifying internalized oppression. And so a few months back, we unpacked internalized oppression on the Inclusion Solution blog as a way to really emphasize the intrapersonal work that is necessary for diversity, equity, equity, and inclusion professionals, practitioners, leaders, advocates, change agents, what have you. Uh, we were recognizing that this, this is a critical aspect of the work necessary for us to be effective in our strides towards inclusion. Um, we really believe that, and I certainly believe that knowing ourselves, understanding ourselves in, in critical, complex ways, which means unpacking our identity and knowing our privilege and knowing the power and understanding the power that we hold, uh, all of that is critical to our work. All of that is important work. And so why this topic around demystifying internalized oppression? Well, a lot of the times the work that we are engaging in around diversity, equity, and inclusion is outward facing. And so what do I mean about by that? A lot of times we are working through, a lot of times our strategies, practices, approach is centered on, okay, how can we bring others along? Or how can we convince others about this work? Or how do we reach those who quote unquote, don't get it. Yes, that is valid. That is very, very critical work. But likewise, um, it, it's important for us to recognize the role that we play, that we play as advocates of you know, so-called diversity and equity, the role that we play as change agents in colluding with or upholding the very systems that we are seeking to dismantle, the very inequities and isms that we are seeking to address and dismantle. And a lot of times this happens in very subtle, covert ways. There's this saying, um, and it's not just using our work, but like, oh, you know, you're preaching to the choir. Mary Frances, our president and CEO, stated some time ago in one of her speeches that, well, you know, sometimes the choir needs new tunes. And so that means evaluating uh, the songs and sharpening our sound, really being critical of ourselves. That's what this uh, series, Demystifying Internalized Oppression, is all about. That's what this season is going to be about. When we think about oppression, specifically how it has been discussed in our work, a lot of times we're thinking about the interpersonal or structural forms of oppression. When I say interpersonal, you know, those instances, uh, whether it be conversations or interactions between people, right? And so perhaps forms of discrimination, prejudice. When I talk about structural forms of oppression, I'm talking about policies and sort of social norms and how they influence, you know, systems. A lot of our work is focused on that it's a little less common, though, for at least in my experience, for DEI professionals and leaders to address the internalized oppression and biases that oftentimes uh, we are subjected to that manifest in how we think and understand the world. Rightfully so, these biases and norms and messaging can be painful to unpack, particularly 
if we are personally and professionally committed to this work, right? A lot of a lot of us are passionate about the work around equity and inclusion. A lot of us pursue this work sort of beyond the professional sense or being part of our roles. And so it can be very difficult to even come to terms with the fact that, hey, and as much as I'm passionate about this work and believe in this work, I've got my own stuff to work through. However, and as much as it can be painful, as much as it can be challenging, this reflection or this level of reflection, these insights can reveal to us aspects about ourselves, things about ourselves that are necessary for us to continue to change lives and enact equity and inclusion for the better. And so we really want to use this series and our hope for this series is that we turn the microscope, for lack of better terms, on ourselves. And so I've used the term internalized oppression quite a bit. And so let me, um, in spirit of our value of meeting people where they are in this journey, I'll go ahead and just define it. And so we define internalized oppression as the acceptance and adoption of negative messages, subordinating norms and biases, forms of discrimination that have historically been used to marginalize the groups to which we belong. And so internalized oppression is when we accept and adopt those messages those messages or biases that are informed by racism, sexism, colorism, and other isms that are related to um, aspects of identity or those identities that we hold. When I talk about um, norms or messages, I'm talking about those things that influence, you know, who we deem as professional or how we define what is respectable, right? There are norms associated with very covert, subtle norms associated with um, how we describe what is or who is a leader, for example, or how we describe what is or who who is beautiful. And so those uh, things are part of much broader social messaging. And as individuals who exist in a social system, we are not immune to internalizing those no matter how, for lack of a better term, sort of problematic uh, it, it may be. Um, and so that is what we are going to be exploring in this season. Um, one of the building blocks to really understanding oppression and inequity is identity, right? And so when we think about identity, it's kind of asking oneself, okay, well, who am I? You know, who are those things or what are those things that I associate or that are important to how I see myself. Moreover, identity is also those things associated with how others see us, how others experience us. And so in as much as identity is who am I and how do I see myself, it is also who am I in the context of or in relation to others? Who am I in any given social system? And so one of the things that I would ask or encourage you to do as you embark on this journey of greater self-understanding and awareness of yourself is to move beyond the individual, right, and how you see yourself and understand identity. What do I mean by that? Okay, I shared in my I am statement that I'm a Black woman. That's top of mind for me. 
I know I'm a black woman and it influences how I show up in this world. It's a huge part of how I see myself. I also shared some aspects of my identity where I hold privilege that are not always top of mind. I don't necessarily wake up every day and think about the fact that I do not have a a disability or that I am able-bodied. I don't necessarily wake up and, and, and it be sort of top of mind for me that I am someone who is straight. Just because it's not top of mind for me doesn't necessarily mean that it is not an important aspect or critical aspect of my identity. Uh, and as much as it is something, or and as much as those aspects of identity are things that I don't think about often, it still influences how I understand and how I experience this world. It's a core part of my identity. It's a core part of or building block and understanding how and when I experience power and privilege. It's a core part of understanding how individuals may see me or understand me or experience me in any in any room. And so I'll just give you an example that I just thought of, right? Uh, I didn't share, I don't think I shared my pronouns in my introduction. Something that is a, a, a huge part of creating space for gender inclusion across the gender spectrum. And so I'll just share now that my pronouns are she, her, hers. It's not something I'm thinking about, but it's critical, especially in my role as a DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You, you all will hear us use that as an uh, acronym often or an abbreviation often, a DEI practitioner. As a facilitator going into rooms, diverse rooms, with people of diverse backgrounds, it's important for me to create a space that is inclusive of and honors people who are of um, different backgrounds, different genders, etc. If I'm not mindful of the fact that, hey, I'm a cisgender person and I never really ever have to think about whether I am misgendered, um, whether uh, someone um, uses the incorrect pronouns, if I'm not even mindful of that, I could, in those sessions where I'm seeking to affect change, encourage shifts, create safe space, perpetuate exclusion. Maybe that means me assuming someone else's pronouns, right? Because I didn't encourage others to share theirs or encourage everyone to share theirs or model for myself what my pronouns are. I just share that as one example of what we mean by identity and why uh, it is important to this conversation. And so we'll be encouraging you throughout the series to think about the identity groups that uh, you are part of, that you belong, where you belong, and the implications. There are two terms that we're gonna be using throughout the series that I wanna offer. Perhaps these are not new to you, but I am certainly an advocate for continuing to evolve our lexicon in this space. The first term we'll probably use, or you'll hear often, is dominant group, right? And so this is a term that we use to refer to those identity groups that have typically experienced systemic power, privileges, and social status within any given social system, right? Dominant does not necessarily imply numerical majority, right? So a dominant group in the U.S. context for example, as it relates to race, would be white. A dominant group in the U.S. context as it relates 
to sexual orientation would be straight. A dominant group as it relates to gender would be cisgender and man, male in the uh, sex rather in, in the in the U.S. context or even globally rather. A dominant group as it relates to ability or disability would be able-bodied. That's what we mean by dominant group. A group, again, with systemic power, privileges, social status within a society doesn't imply numerical majority. Ultimately, these groups are associated with the norm. On the flip side, you'll oftentimes hear us refer to subordinated groups, right? And so I emphasize subordinated because we are not calling groups subordinate. Groups are not, or people rather, individuals are not inherently subordinate or less than. However, subordinated, emphasis on the ED, it really emphasizes that there is a system and structures at play that have impacted groups such so, so that they are excluded and or disadvantaged in society. And so the emphasis is not on the group being less than, the emphasis is on the system or the system influencing or the system creating a context where this group is marginalized. And so these are social groups that have traditionally and historically been oppressed or excluded, disadvantaged in society. Again, subordinated does not imply um, numerical minority. You might be thinking, okay, well, what does all this vocabulary have to do with this work? Vocabulary has everything to do with this work. And maybe we'll do another episode on why language matters in the work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so some examples of subordinated groups in the U.S. context would be people of color, uh, Black people, Indigenous people, uh, Latinx people, um, Asian, Asian people. Uh, an example of uh, a subordinated group in the U.S. context as it relates to sexual orientation would be those who identify as lesbian, gay, bi, or perhaps a queer. Uh, subordinated groups in um, the U.S. context as it relates to gender. People who are or identify as transgender. Sex, people who identify as women subordinated groups understanding the you know our identity groups is going to be a very important exercise for purposes of this season we actually have a um, reflection guide and i would uh, ask or offer encourage you all to check it out on the website we have a demystifying internalized oppression reflection guide that will support you in this journey in one understanding your identity groups unpacking what you have learned about the identity groups of which you belong, and how it just shows up in your understanding of this world, how it shows up in the work that you engage in, how it shows up in what you have internalized or subscribed to about yourself and others. And so this reflection guide is just a way to take the conversations that you've perhaps read on the blog and then we'll hear on the podcast and sit with it for a bit, right? Reflect on it a bit and make some, engage in some reflection, some real life application to oneself. 
So uh, that's kind of the background on the Winners Group, the Inclusion Solution blog, how we've we've come to the Inclusion Solution Live, and then moreover, some of what we are going to unpack this season. We're going to hear from a few folks on the team. They're going to share some very intimate uh, details about themselves, about their identities, about some of their experiences and the ways in which internalized oppression has showed up in their lives. Mary Frances Winters, our president and CEO, is going to unpack some of the messages she's received or internalized about race and color. Lee Morrison on our team is going to unpack how uh, she's internalized you know, sexist ideals, right, as it relates to, you know, her gender. Thamara Supermanian, she's going to unpack the myth of the model minority. We've even got Travis Jones unpacking whiteness and some of the cultural norms and values associated with whiteness that has influenced his journey, his identity. And then we're going to also hear from Valda Balboon. We're going to talk about the angry Black woman archetype, right? I actually penned a post on the inclusion solution about how I've reconciled uh, some of the messages, the norms, stereotypes even, as it relates to being a Black woman. So we're going to unpack that um, this season. I hope that you will join us and uh, learn more about our, uh, us, certainly, as practitioners and who we are. But moreover, learn a little bit more about yourself. You know, what messages, norms, values, biases have you learned about your identity groups, right? What messages are positive? What messages are negative? And, and, and how do those either support or impede our strides towards equity, justice, and inclusion? There is a quote that we oftentimes use in our sessions that I think really gets to the heart of why this intrapersonal work is so important. It's a quote by Rumi, who was a Persian poet, theologian, scholar, etc. And the quote reads, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. I think that gets to the heart of why this work, this intrapersonal work, this work oneself is so important. Sure, there's work to be done to change the world, to change systems, to shift spaces, to get others to get it. There is definitely work to be done around that. But the big part, you know what, not even but, and there is work that is just as requisite and necessary and critical that involves us changing ourselves and maybe not changing, but evolving ourselves, thinking critically about ourselves, really sitting with ourselves and understanding who we are, what we believe and how it impacts the world. That's that's a big part of the work, y'all. That is a big, big part of the work. And my goal is that you'll engage in that work by way of the Inclusion Solution Live. The conversation doesn't end here or just on the Inclusion Solution Live. Definitely, definitely keep in touch with us on our social media outlets. We are everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube. 
Pinterest even, the Winters Group. Our website, wintersgroup.com. And obviously the inclusion solution is our blog. We end all of our sessions, all of our learning experiences, rather with our commitment to live inclusively. And the Winters Group Live, or I'm sorry, the, the, in, the inclusion solution live will be no different. We end our sessions with our commitment to live inclusively, which is our credo, which is what we believe is our work and the behaviors we should strive towards every day as we create this world, create this world where we're dismantling systems and breaking down barriers and realizing inclusion. This is our commitment to live inclusively. I commit to be intentional and living inclusively. I commit to spending more time getting to know myself and understanding my culture. It is in understanding myself that I am better positioned to understand others. I will acknowledge that I don't know what I don't know, but I will not use what is unconscious as an excuse. I will be intentional in exposing myself to difference. If I don't know, I will ask. If I am asked, I will assume positive intent. Most importantly, I will accept my responsibility in increasing my own knowledge and understanding. I commit to speaking up and speaking out, even when I am not directly impacted. For there is no such thing as neutrality in the quest for equity, justice, and inclusion. I will strive to accept and not just tolerate, respect even if I don't agree, and be curious, not judgmental. I commit to pausing and listening. I will be empathetic to the experiences and perspectives of my others. I will use my privilege positively and get comfortable with my own discomfort. I commit to knowing, getting, and doing better than I did yesterday, keeping in mind my commitment to live inclusively is a journey, not a destination. It has been a wonderful, what, 30 minutes almost, right? 30 minutes almost uh, connecting with you all. Thank you for the opportunity to share some virtual space. I hope you will come back for our season, the upcoming episodes where we continue to demystify internalized oppression. I promise you it is going to be wonderful insights, reflections shared. Until then, I trust you all will continue to do the work to live inclusively.